The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. I think the core was there from a very young age. Um, I think starting ministry in a relationship with, with, with Christ Jesus was 2009. Um, and I had a simple prayer. At the time I was speaking in my soccer career and I had a simple prayer where um, I had enough of injuries and I couldn't get contacts going again. And I said, Lord, how can I use the gift that you have given me to make you known? And lo and behold, you know, God took me out of the sporting world, shaped me, molded me in 2009, 2010 um, to what He wants me to be. And it's amazing how those new doors just opened up on bigger platforms where I was able to do church sports ministry throughout Africa and in Brazil um, for a while. So, um, yeah, I started off in 2009 with a good influence from... Um, the Dutch um, Athletes in Action team at that time that came to South Africa and, and shared their vision. And it was in line with what my passion was. I love people, I love church, I love sports coming out from a Catholic doctrine. So I was always in the church. Um, but personal relationship started then in 2010 when um, God just kicked off this amazing journey. Welcome back to the Ministry Missits podcast. This is episode number two. Um, I am Andrew Fetz, the host of this. Um, Dr. Greg Linville, our executive producer, is with us. Um, and Bradley Barnes is going to be back with us. You just heard his testimony. Um, and he, he's back with us. You know, we, we talked a little bit about who he is. Um, and we talked a little bit about what this podcast is about um, in the last episode. But... Um, Dr. Linville, Bradley has gone through a major transition just with us here in the CSRM family. Um, why don't you share a little bit about that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think the, the previous time, and it had to do with him coming on as a volunteer, what we call Global Network Partner. He proved very faithful in that, and he was elevated to staff. He started to get it paid, and again, any of you that can help support him financially were, were definitely encouraging that and his leadership skills continued to be evident and grow and so he is now in a position of continental director for all of africa where he's, he's just training scores of people there so that's where he's at with csrm but this this man has done some really very unique and interesting wonderful things he, he's played soccer, football, that he would call it, on a world-class level for his country and is very recognized in that way. He's also been involved in, in the football community in his country and his, his continent. But he also is a man solidly committed to his marriage, raising his kids, great father. There's just a lot about this man that is very, very special. He is actually broken personally some of the racial barriers within a country that was known for racial barriers probably as much as any country in the world and he has he has paid a price he sacrificed personally to break some of those and he's working at racial reconciliation 
that's who this man is. But I also want to speak, Andrew, quickly to the fact that, as we've said in this series of podcasts with CSRM, that people we're encouraging to go and look at, we're passing on leadership. We take it very seriously that there needs to be a modeling and there needs to be a mentoring. But then at some point, the modeling and mentoring becomes reversed and that it's a partnership. And so you're going to see my face, much to your chagrin, I'm sure, for we don't know how long. It could be months, it could be a year or so involved with Bradley. Because what the CSRM board has has really said to me and to all of us is that we need to not just flip a switch and walk out the room, but that we need to engage with one another. And so you've seen Bradley. He's come on with our Tuesday talks. He's been a presenter. He's been on our podcast. He's, he's helping us to write books. He's giving us insights. He's, he's giving us all these things. We're learning from him. I don't want anybody to think that there's any paternalism or any kind of, of any ism with me hanging around Bradley. That this is just the normal transition. And we want a normal transition. And this comes out of my experience with the YMCA that the YMCA quickly grew. In 10 years, they had a world conference. And they recognized that it needed to be a little different in Canada than it was in America, than it was in England, than it was wherever it went in the world. But because it was so independent that the foundation of the YMCA, which was to introduce young men, now they had a YWCA to introduce young women, but young men to Jesus Christ, that that is so far from where the YMCA is in many places in the world today because they didn't have that transition. And that's part of why we are, and that's that's shared by Bradley and myself, that we all want that. We don't want CSRM in the future to not be completely, completely sold out to reaching those who are far from Jesus in this church. So, uh, you're going to see me around, I'll be around, but with the idea that this is Bradley's, and we trust him, and he's going to grow and go, and then he's going to have somebody that he's going to pass it on to, and that's the whole idea. And that's what you heard uh, a lot of what Bradley talked about in episode one, as far as his past experience, you've heard, you know, some of the things he's dealt with in the past, as well as even currently, as he's trying to navigate stuff within the church there in South Africa now. But, um, you know, part of what Dr. Linville is expressing here is the fact that this man is not just somebody that lived through it and is now kind of doing his own thing, but is somebody that is still at the forefront of of really developing what sports ministry specifically there in South Africa is going to look like, um, what racial reconciliation ministry worldwide is going to look like. Um, you know, he 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 shared uh, he's going to be sharing today about one of the the racial reconciliation mentors that he's had there in South Africa, but then also um, share a little bit about even his ministry relationship that he has with us here in CSRM. 
Um, and even why we're doing this podcast and why we're, you know, hoping we're, we're working to get him up and running with his own podcast. Um, you know, just to, to be able to share his story, to share his, his heart for, for ministry, his heart for soccer, um, and his heart for his family as well. And so that's a, we're going to jump in to part two of our interview with Bradley. And then there is a lot to unpack from this, this specific episode. So uh, hang on for this quick message and then we'll be, be right back with him. Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content. And one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools, distribution tools, and even marketing tools with ads such as this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So you, uh, you, you said, you know, you've kind of grown up in a church background, you know, your whole life or anything like that. Let's backtrack another 20 years or so from your, your, your discipleship point to, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, um, going into the nineties, the entire Nelson Mandela, um, scenario that happened, um, I'm trying to think of a better word. Saga, I guess, would probably be a better word for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, again, this is one where if you don't know who Nelson Mandela is, um, you Google it. You'll find plenty of information. Um, hopefully, you learned about him and this whole saga in your history books. If you know, even if you're you know my age, where I was only a few years removed from all of this, he was already in the the history books. So if you um, the, there was, I mean, it was internationally, South Africa had the stage as far as how to do this idea of racial reconciliation as a country with Mandela being returned from exile and released from prison and everything like that. Um, talk a little bit, because, you know, we, we, we can read, like you said, we can read about in our history books, but it's, it's got to be much different coming from a you know, non-white person that was living there in Cape Town while all of this was going on, somebody that had been shot at, somebody that had had the dog sent out on them. Give us some, give us some insight as to the, the Nelson Mandela years, um, you know, leading up to his, his eventual inauguration and, uh, you know, give, give us some insight from your perspective on all of this and then we'll get into your perspective as far as what you saw your you know your church church life church community doing well i think um just before nelson mandela was released um i think that was kind of like a forced release because there was so much tension um building up within the country where people were not giving any respect to the white police force or the white navy force anymore, the army. It was a point where, especially in, in, 
in the um, local townships where people were just starting to loot white shops, which never happened before. So I think the, the white regime at that point was losing a lot of power and, and respect um, because that is what they built their legacy on. It was all about respect towards them as, as a white person. And before the release of Mandela, there was actual total chaos in the sporting world in South Africa where you had two national teams for the soccer team, you had two national teams for the rugby team. Um, and it became so much that um, the then white regime was even in communication with Nelson Mandela while he was in Robben Island saying that, hey, you know, you need to help us fix this because we can't anymore. And that is how the deal came about where um, through, De through Desmond Tutu's talks and the Archbishop of the Anglican Church South Africa, through his talks with the white folks and the white government, um, they then hit kind of like a deal where they said, okay, release Nelson Mandela and then we'll calm the storm. Well, I personally feel that it was just a new storm that was, was created when mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela actually got released because it was a flip of the coin in in the apartheid setup, in the apartheid business world, church world, where us Cape Malay colleges were still in the middle, but it was now um, the blacks taking the authority and the whites right at the bottom of the food chain now. And it's and it's still something up and even up until today where South Africa is not near when it comes to reconciliation that the world thinks it is as an example. I think we had one good example, which was the Nelson Mandela and, and, and the white regime government. But but for us South Africans, that was a moment of reconciliation. It's, we are far from that, though, um, as we still face it on a daily basis. Sadly for me, in the church as well. And now this is something that um, we start getting more into current American events a little bit as to why we are wanting to talk with you about this is the idea of the, um, you know, th this is something that me as a white pastor that works a lot with um, a lot more of the black pastoral leadership, at least in our area okay. and, and a couple other states. Um, one of the things that we found is that the black leadership of the church is having a hard time being able to communicate both to their congregants as well as to the white evangelical world as far as what actually this dynamic is that's going on in terms of policies and politics, um, you know, Nelson yeah. Mandela, unfortunately does have some of an impact on that because he was, you know, a socialist. Everybody looks at, Oh, well, yeah. if we're going to talk racial reconciliation, we can't do that because that's Marxism, which is, you know, yeah. you can't talk that around here in the U S <laughs> I mean, you know, 50 years of a cold war kind of tells you that, but you know, we trying to navigate the stuff that we saw in the summer of 2020 with the riots, the looting, everything going on. Um, you know, you, you've got all of that. You have the Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S. Um, you have, you know, people claiming that Antifa is in on it as well. 
you yeah. got all of these different things. You've got the riots going on. You have white leaders in the church saying we have to condemn this. This is a problem. We've got to get rid of critical race theory. We got to get rid of this so-called social gospel. You've got um, some black leaders that are on the other side of the fence saying, no, we've got to go hard at this and continue to yeah. encourage it. And then you've got these people in the middle <laughs> that are trying to say, you know, violence is not the answer, but sometimes it's necessary. And we understand why this is happening. We are not condemned. You know, we, we don't want to see our cities burn, but we also don't want to see our people continually being hurt and people saying, well, this never solves anything, but unfortunately history has a different example of that. And, you know, you just talked about that and part of the only reason Mandela even was able to return was because of the pressure that the government saw both um, politically speaking and even with the attitude towards the police, which before we get a bunch of nasty comments on this thing, my dad was a cop for 10 years. So I understand the, the police stuff. I have no problem with that. Um, okay. Some treatment things are a little bad, but you know, we're, we don't need to get into all of that. The, the thing that we want to kind of look at here, and you already said that the archbishop there in South Africa was very huge and influential into all of this is, I guess the overall question is, how does the church actually respond well and effective, you know, the, the phrases we use at CSRM is effectively and efficiently strategic and relevant how can we as a church actually do this? Because you've got, you know, I'm one of the ones that's kind of caught in the middle because I've got black friends telling me, I need you to speak because you can as a white man. You've got white, white friends and family saying, you can't say that you're a Marxist, <laughs> you know, all this stuff, you know, but you know, how do, how do we as a church actually bridge that gap that we talk about within sports ministry and actually show people reconciliation is actually possible with the gospel but Amen. without yeah. polluting it is the word that gets used a lot how do we do how do we do gospel centered evangel you know evangelistic disciple making ministry without polluting it with political ideologies or racial ideologies or all of this other stuff how how can we actually be effective what, what's been your experience there that kind of has yeah. already dealt with some of this stuff and now has the new challenges? Um, Absolutely. You know, what, what, what kind of advice do you have? What do you see? Yeah, thanks for this opportunity, Andrew. Um, something I, I've experienced and, and learned um, during our worst time that I've experienced with racial tension um, and, and it's not spoken about globally, it is through the Anglican Archbishop Desmond Tutu. When we had the um, Reconciliation Committee, he was heading that up, but the very first thing he did was repent. He was not a racist, but it started within him. And, and something that he said, which was so profound, which I use today in my in my church sports ministry training is that um, change starts within a human being. And I think, you know, at that time when he said that, you, you must understand when he made that statement, he, he, here you got a black man talking to 
the white people in charge of the entire country um, and telling them that um, we cannot start this reconciliation commission unless whoever's heading this up like him himself repents, whether he said racial remarks or acted that way, but he said it needs to start with himself and 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 I think us as a church, um, how how do we not um, like you say um, over over exert um, this this mindset of of racial is it need to start with us just being real with ourselves, being genuine with ourselves and say, look, I probably missed the mark a few times in my life where it comes to this or unintentionally, you know, you know smiled at something that happened to be or said something but it, the church needs to start with repentance and and if you look at church today yes it's, it's, it's some churches are governed well but it's also governed 90 percent of church is governed by people that has been here for decades which is fantastic they have the wisdom um, but I can speak for Africa and even South African white and black churches where you know, pastors and, and priests would say that this is too hard for me to start repenting um, within myself is going to, I'm going to lose my, my congregation. I'm going to lose my followers. I'm going to lose 50%. And I think it's more a, a, a thing in, and I want to sum this up though. I think it's more of a thing where pride even kicks in where it comes to this whole tension because, and, and like Archbishop Desmond Tutu said that, it has to start with the human being, the person in charge there. And we as a church that I feel we should be in charge of everything happening in the world. Everything should come to church. Um, we, What we could do to answer your question is that we need to unite. I don't think churches on a global front is, is united. And, and again, I am going to mention um, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu because we, I know in the States and all over the world, people often speak about Nelson Mandela, but the Archbishop was the person that, that got Nelson Mandela and the then president F.W. declared to actually reconcile with themselves first and then towards each other and then to the nation. And, and that for me is a good example how church should be is that, you know, church is often in in competition with you know who has the biggest greatest or the best sermon or or, or the best um, recreational league going um, I think um, it should start our example how we as a church can can show the world you know that color doesn't matter when shared in the gospel of children is um, in our daily living in our daily um, lives though because that's where it starts I'm a, I'm a key in um, um, fan of, of of being real i always use the word being real and and if you're real um you will own up to to, to whatever you did not do 100 percent, and and you look at opportunity to to change couple really good things that you just mentioned that um you know it, it should be a it should be an easy thing for the church to do. Cause I mean, this is stuff that we see in the gospels, but it's, it's still hard. You know, one, one of the big things that we hear a lot um, from uh, white Christians in general, at least on social media, they may not say it out loud, but they type it. 
Um, and even in, within some church cons constructs is this idea of, I was not the one that, you know, put them on the plantations. I was not the one that held the whip. So what do I have to repent of? And, you know, this is one of those things that we see this in, you know, the book of Daniel is a perfect example where yeah. Daniel spent, you know, he's, he's praying so hard and repenting of the sins of his fathers and his forefathers and all the way back. And even though he personally didn't, did not run after other gods. I mean, we see that in chapter one of Daniel, he stayed firm to the end. He still spent a lot of time repenting to the point of where it made himself sick. He was doing it so much. And we've lost that idea of, you know, there's a difference between personal sin and social sin and the sin of sin of the, the people, you know, a lot of times in the U S we focus more on the abortion issue than we do on anything else, which that's a huge sin of the United States is this idea of legalized abortion, but there's just as big of a sin with the way that the white church and the church of America has treated the African Americans here in the U S um, you know, that, that's a huge thing that, you know, we can, you know, maybe in other episodes with you, or we're hoping to get James Talbert on um, a couple guys from tribe collective to talk about that kind of stuff, as far as why this idea of repentance is such a huge thing. Um, But the other, the other thing that was really, really interesting about what you talked about is this idea of it's got to start with the church. Um, Absolutely. And, and that that's the other thing. And you maybe can, before we, we close out here, maybe be able to shed a little bit more light on this as far as how you're doing this now. But, you know, we, we are able to start this reconciliation process. We are able to start to deconstruct some of these power structures that have been in place without diluting the message of the gospel. Um, and ideally, I mean, this this ideally would be more gospel promoting than anything, because ideally we're tearing down these power structures and replacing it with identity in Christ and Christ as King, as opposed to skin color as our identity our social situation as our identity or whoever is in, you know, Cape town or Washington as being the King. And so these are the things that, you know, we're going to talk more about on the, this podcast in general. Um, but especially it's really i'm glad to be able to spend this time with you as well bradley do you have any closing closing remarks closing thoughts anything like that well i I do andrew and and i want to say that the church has been placed i believe god has placed the church in such a time like this in such an influential position um but it's we 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 will only as the church we will only be able to enforce that influence and 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 bring that calmness with different races when it gets seen through us though and and the way we easily do it in in, in africa we we are easy to repent though we we find it easy through the leading of the holy spirit to repent um and then allow god to just grow us from there but but in but in closing um I think the church's focus should not be on the issues, but the focus should be of how do we theologically respond to what is happening physically in this earth. And I think we we in a good position where we can position ourselves as, as leaders of the gospel um, to equip ourselves 
and say, hey, how do we best put our best foot forward um, during this time though? So that concludes this interview with Bradley Barnes. Um, Bradley will be back, I'm sure, on other episodes covering other topics. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of good insight into a lot of these things. And it, it's always helpful for us here in the U.S. to hear from outside of our current context about what's going on and how the church should be interacting and, and different a- a- aspects of that. Um, so we want to take a couple couple theological truths out of Bradley's story here, um, talk about them a little bit, and then hopefully you'll be able to take these back and figure out how to apply these within your ministries and within your churches and within your communities. Um, you know, the first big one is the the theological truth of the Imago Dei, the image of God, and that mankind is made in the image of God. This is found in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, We see this throughout scripture kind of replaying itself, but the main place we see this is in Genesis 1 and 2, where God, in in the midst of creation, where everything else he has just spoken into existence, God takes the time to actually physically form man and to breathe life into him and to create him in the image of God. So this means that mankind, all of mankind, regardless of look, regardless of culture, is made in the image of God. If they are made in the image of God, then that means they need to be treated as image bearers. This is why, um, you know, th- this this is why the the racial discrimination, racial segregation, all of these things are not just sad things that are happening to society, but ultimately we should be calling these out as sinful attitudes and sinful actions because it is going against the created order of what God has intended which is that mankind be made in the image of God and treat each other with that kind of respect. Um, the other big one which plays into this is that the idea of racial reconciliation as a biblical mandate, not a political ideology, and the steps to this full gospel reconciliation, which this is something we see play out through the entirety of scripture. Reconciliation is one of the main themes of the Bible, redemption, being reconciled back to God. Um, Bradley laid out four steps for us for honest gospel reconciliation. Um, This first step was honest repentance. Um, This is where we have to start. And this is where currently in the U.S., I think this is the biggest holdup to full reconciliation. The, you know, the the attitudes that we hear a lot, especially from um, white Americans, is the fact that if I personally have never owned slaves and I am not guilty of any of this. If you were never a slave, then you don't have any right to feel segregated, you know, discriminated against or wronged. And so we just need to just forget about it. It's all been in the past. And so it's not a problem anymore. That's not the reality. First of all, we see with Bradley's story that the, the idea of segregation and racial discrimination, all this stuff does not require slavery. Bradley was never a slave, but yet he was treated just as badly as the blacks in the South during the Jim Crow uh, Reconstruction era within the U.S. Slavery is a byproduct of racial discrimination. Racial discrimination is the cause of slavery, not the other way around. Because of this, we as a people need to be 
honestly looking at ourselves, looking at our systems, looking at our churches and having these Daniel chapter nine moments of being able to say, I, as a part of this system is, am responsible for these actions and these attitudes. And so I need to repent of these things myself, seek out reconciliation from these parties that have been wronged. And at that point, Point, we can then move forward. You know, Daniel was not an idolater. Daniel was following after God, even in Babylon after he'd been exiled, but yet he spends the entire chapter repenting and lamenting so much that he makes himself sick and has to be comforted by angels in order for him to be able to get up and continue on in his duties. We've got to have that kind of attitude of saying, the, the American church has wronged our black brothers and sisters, and so we must repent of that. The U.S. system is built upon racial discrimination and white supremacy, and so we need to repent of that. And once we start that process, then we can start seeing gospel reconciliation taking place within our country and with our communities and especially within the church. Um, the other steps that Bradley talked about were, were unity you know, we, we've got to have a united front. If we don't have a united front, if we can't find find a, a common denominator, if nothing else, the common denominator of you're made in the image of God, I'm in, made in the image of God. And so we need to treat each other with that respect. Gospel reconciliation cannot take place. Um, he talked about the fact that we've got to figure out where our identity is. Am I just some white American male or am I an image bearer of God that has found has found my identity in what Christ has done for me. And, and if that is the case, then you are no better than I am. I am no better than you because we both are identifying with what Christ has done and nothing about us, nothing about the way we look, nothing about what we've done, nothing about what we are going to do matters. It's all about Christ and his kingdom. And when that happens, then we can start building bridges and and working with each other to help fix some of these wrongs that we, has had happen to us. And the last step, and this is what Bradley talked about, and this is part of why we're doing this podcast in general, is we've got to also see this in a united international church function. You know, we a lot a lot recently, what I've I've heard from a lot of people is talk of. The, the racial divide is an American thing. The racial divide is an American political agenda. This, this is all, all, everything is wrapped up in the USA when in reality, this is a worldwide issue. This is a worldwide problem. This is a universal church problem. I mean, you go back into, into the book of Acts and we see the Jews and the Gentiles going at it with each other because one was circumcised and one was not. One ate bacon, one did not. All these kind of things were dividing the church, but what we need to start doing is having a united international church again. Bradley in South Africa is able to teach us here in the U.S. just like us here in the U.S. are able to teach him in Africa. He has a lot of qualities that we need to, to look into. We have qualities that he needs to look into. Same thing with our brothers in Kenya, Madagascar. You know, CSRM has an extensive global network of people that are all working with one goal in mind, one mission, one vision to equip the local churches in our communities to be able to reach people through sports rec and fitness with the gospel. 
that can only happen when we have a united church approach and not individual the the individualized regions of the world as being their own little thing and you guys just stay out we've got to stay united we've got to be a universal body of christ to be able to show christ to the world and when these sort of things happen and we we take the proper proper steps we have the proper attitude the proper humility then we are able to see gospel reconciliation take place and when gospel reconciliation takes place we don't see the same results that we are currently seeing in South Africa, where even though the country is claiming it has resolved their issues, there are still some problems. Here in the U.S., we claim that, oh, slavery is gone. We've signed the Civil Rights Act, so everything's good. But we still have, you know, police brutality. We still have systemic racism going on. Once gospel reconciliation is able to take place, first within the church, and then within the community, that is when we can actually start to see these racial these racial walls start to break down. So let us know what you think. Um, let us know if this has been helpful, if this has challenged you at all. This is a topic we're going to revisit in a couple of different areas. We've got a couple other guests um, from the U.S. that want to kind of address these sort of things. Um, let you know let us know in the comments whether it's facebook youtube or some of the different audio audio formats you know let let us know what you think if you have a story that um you'd like to share with us you know you can contact us on twitter at ministry misfit you can contact us on our facebook page at ministry misfit uh, media or you can email us at ministry misfit media at gmail.com so we hope you've enjoyed this we'll hope you'll join us again next week for episode number three um, where i'll be talking the three-tier paradigm with dr linville um, and we hope that you will subscribe like um, do all of those different things panel where you're listening and we will see you then Ministry Misfits Podcast is a production of Overwhelming Victory Flicks, Overwhelming Victory Radio, and Ministry Misfit Media. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers. Our theme music is entitled Rain and provided by Morning Light Music. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. For more information on CSRM, visit csrm.org. If you are interested in listening to our sister podcast on the Overwhelming Victory Radio Network, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash ovradio. If you're interested in contacting Ministry Misfit Media or have your own story to share, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Ministry Misfit or email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com.